Well, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of stuff that I could I could say I'd I'd like to say that would make this sermon a little bit easier. I actually asked somebody jokingly. I said, "Would you like to? Would you rather say this sermon because I don't know if I want to?" And some of you that keep track of uh, anyway keep track of stuff. Today is is our first step at Connection. You can you can join our church going through a first step. And if you haven't talked to me, please do so today. Uh, I do need to know it's from one to three today. If not, uh, we can reschedule. Um, but anyway, just talk to me about that uh, later. Woke up this morning and I thought <laughs> last Sunday I came to Connection and there were people. They were sitting on the stage because there were no more chairs. There were people that came up to me on Sunday morning last week, two of them, and we added again and again and again until we got ten people that showed their, their newness of life of what God had done in their life by being baptized. Ten! Ten! We had a person that left for the military this week and he had to make a special appointment with me. And he said, hey, uh, I want to do first step, but I'm going to be in Alaska when you do it. I said, well, we probably need to do it right now then. So we did. So we have people joining the church. We have people getting baptized. We have lives getting changed. If you don't think that God is in the real business of breaking chains, I want to tell you completely differently. There are people in this church that I could give you their names and information and you could go to them and you say, and say, and say what, what has God done in your life? And, he, and they will literally tell you about spiritual bondage that they used to be in. Maybe, maybe it was bondage of their self. And God broke those chains and now they live in another freeness of life. It's very real. It's very real and it happens. And last Sunday, I came to church knowing that we're going to cook 270 hot dogs. By the way, we did that in under an hour. That was awesome. Everybody, I know, everybody, everybody, you may have saw it when you went to the line last week, and he's like, wow, I didn't know Connection had a hot dog roller machine. We don't, but my family does, so I brought it. <laughs> we use it for deer season, but 270 hot dogs we cooked in an, in an hour. Uh, we only had uh, 10 or 12 left, by the way, uh, that just got, we gave them to somebody. Yeah, we put a hammer on them, Okay. <laughs> But I hope that you had the chance to join us last Sunday. If you didn't, I want to give you some homework. Just ask somebody. Anybody that was here last week, just ask them how it went. They will say nothing about the sermon. They will say nothing about the worship. Well, they may say something about the worship. But they won't say anything about, about people, but they will say that God seriously moved. I had some people, I, I'm going to talk to you in a second about some things that I heard last week. And they're quotes from dunk parties and they're pretty funny. So I want to share those with you. But I just want to say, first of all, all I can say about last week, this week, about our church, is that God is absolutely incredible. But God is not allowed to move sometimes in that kind of scale unless there's people that give of themselves. So I wanted to say thank you to you. Whether you brought food or drinks, you set up or took down tables, you decorated tables, cleaned up, mopped, helped with the baptistry, started the fire... Which is everybody's job. I had like 17 people. Can I start the fire? <laughs> I had to specifically appoint someone to do that. Help with the baptistry and so on and so on. The people that sacrificially gave to stay, to, to stay out of the service, to stay with our two-year-olds and under. Listen, that's a sacrifice. But it's something that's ne- necessary. Um, but here's some quotes. This is, this is really good. <laughs> 
So if you don't think that you did anything, you may say, well, I just came. I didn't even bring anything. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what you did. This is from somebody that's never been at Connection before. You ready? This is my first time here, and all I can say is that the people of Connection truly love people. Never stepped foot in this church before. Never. Yet they saw that we love people. How about this one? Another first-timer. Never been to Connection before. Member of a very, very large church. This is the best baptism service I've ever been to. And the next one. I was blown away that someone that goes to church here would give up their seat and sit on the floor so I could sit in a chair. I don't care if we have 78 people that sit on this stage to make room for more people to sit down. But somebody that had never been to Connection comes in the door and they say, holy cow, if you were here 10 minutes prior to service starting, you realized that there was going to be an issue. Like we might need to call the fire marshal. Okay, so I talked with Jason Settle very carefully. I said, okay, what do we need to do? So we had the band. If you, if you saw these pictures on Facebook, like the band is over here. There's some people sitting on the stage. My dad joked with me. He goes, well, I guess you know how it feels to be Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, absolutely no. No, 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 no. Uh, if you don't know my dad's sense of humor, it's pretty awesome. But if you don't share it, you think he's crazy. So, But this is what it means to serve. This is what it looks like to give and to sacrifice and to show other people the love of Jesus. You impacted people's lives that are plugged into their church, but have seen something that's different here. And they said, I want to take this back to my church. This is, this is, this is cool. You guys love people. You, you, you just know how. You try. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a little bit. I've got to preface this one a lot. So uh, I told you that this was going to be a difficult one. It was difficult to study um, because... Guys, we think that we get off easy on this. It's actually more difficult for us. But we're going to be in the second half of Colossians chapter 3 uh, today. But notice that I prefaced everything by what happened last Sunday. And that it didn't, God, didn't, what, God wasn't able to move unless there were people willing to serve. God can move, God can do whatever He wants, but it's, it's often magnified when there's people that want, to, that want to serve. And what does Jesus say about serving? He says, if you want to be a leader, you must serve. He tells his disciples that all the time. If you want to lead, you've got to serve. Last Sunday, we saw many people at our dunk party come through our doors. Now this is what happened from a spiritual sense. Those people came through the doors of connection. And the people of connection followed the leadership of God and the leadership of our leaders here at church. And we served them. I saw people in connection with the dunk party shirts on getting last in line. People say, well, I just let them go. I was nice. No, you have no idea what that speaks to people. I, I, I saw people voluntarily get out to, to get different parts of the hot dogs or the drinks to, to speed up the line so people could eat quicker. Um, I saw people playing wiffle ball. I saw people playing frisbee. There, there are pictures everywhere uh, on our Facebook page and on yours from, from last Sunday. But it's, it was the people that were following. That they were serving. Now, we don't like this terminology. My, I have an uncle and then another uncle. Um, I really thought about going into the Marine Corps after I got out of high school, but I, but I had the opportunity to play baseball, so I, I did that. Okay? I don't have anything against them. I'm very, very pro-military. But... I understood this a little bit, but yet, if you haven't been in this environment or been in the service, 
You can take offense to this word. And this is not a word that, that, that should just drive a stake in you and you say, well, he said that to me and I'm not going to do it. But when we talk about this word, it can be very, very difficult because we don't like it. Some of you are going, what in the world is he talking about? The word is being submissive. It doesn't have anything to do that you're less smart, that you're less powerful, that you're anything. It just means that you are God-ordained to be under someone's leadership. Somebody in the military gives you a command and you're not as high as rank as they are. Guess what? You do it. That, from everybody, everybody that I've talked to that's been in the military, I said, you know, did you, did you back talk your, your superior officer very often? Okay, the answer is absolutely no. <laughs> okay, no. Okay, they know these things called push-ups and running and all kinds of crazy things to get you to do what they want you to do. But in this world, it's very difficult. Sub, the word submissive might as well be to some people. To some people, the word submissive might as well be a cuss word. Because it's something that they're not going to do. Mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. That means I'm less than. If you, take that, if you take that mindset and look at the second half of chapter 3 in Colossians, you are not going to get what we're going to get out of this today. You're going to get something totally opinionated of your own. You're going to twist it, take it out of context, and you're going to leave here and go, I'm never going back to that church again. He says that I should be submissive to my husband. My husband is not submissive to me. Okay? No, I didn't. I'm not even there yet. Yet some of your minds are already there. Okay? Just easy, easy. The word submissive almost to some people is a cuss word. It's often very difficult to be submissive to your leader. Now, I figured there would be somebody that jumps up and goes, Woo, preach on that one, okay? Now, just... If you have a job, you have to be submissive to your leader. I know that makes you cringe. Inside it goes, But you don't work for the guy or woman that I work for. They're jerks. It's not in, in there for our opinion about our boss. It's in there, as Paul reminds these people of Colossus, that if you want to be a church that's connected to go, you have to be submissive to the leading of God and the leadership of your church. That's exactly what he's saying here. I'm not talking about anybody being inferior. But if you would, look at your, your worship handout, uh, the very first blank. Now, to some of you, this is going to be old hat. But to some of you, you really need to, you really need to grasp this. As followers of Jesus, we're, we are commanded to submit to God. Now, there's two words in there that you now don't like. Number one, you don't like submi- submitting. And number two, you don't like being told what to do when it means submitting. So you're, now you're commanded to submit. You, you, you are a follower. If you're a follower of Jesus, He has instructions for you. And we all know how well it is when you take over the driver's seat, don't we? I know better than you. See, God's really good at doing what parents did. Maybe you had parents like this. If you did, you should go home. You should call them. Or you should thank God for them if they're not here on earth anymore. And if you, have, if you had parents like I had, that gave you just enough rope to hang yourself and get yourself in trouble. Sometimes God does this. Okay, You should go home. You should call those parents and say, Thank you for being the parent that you were to me. Yes, I know that we didn't get along all the time. Yes, I know that we fought. Yes, I know that even though you, you asked me if I had an opinion, if I wanted to go to church, I already knew that I was voluntold that I was going. I was voluntold, asked, whatever. But we're to submit. God has commanded us to submit. We are to submit ourselves to do God's work. Last week was a perfect picture of that happening. 
It was. We had people that showed up during the week to bring firewood. We had people that came early to church to set up a volleyball court. We had people that came early or that maybe forgot it and went back home and got frisbees or wiffle balls or, or whatever and they just said, we just want to have a game so everybody can have a good time. You know what I almost did? It would have been the worst disaster in dunk party history. Do you know what I almost did last week? Me and another guy were here and we were cleaning up the property and getting it all mowed and I was leaf blowing off all the rocks. Do you know what I almost did? I almost blew all of those leaves off to where he could mow them. The leaves were the best part. Some of, you, some of you still in your shower have remnants of your children taking baths after the dung party and they had leaves where you didn't know it was possible to have them. There are pictures of them throwing them up. There, some people may have eaten them. I don't know. Okay. Ooh, this is good. You know, a little hot dog seasoning. Whatever. But they, they played in those leaves and I thought, good grief. I was just going to blow those off because to me they're a nuisance. They're on the rocks. I like to see green grass and not cover with leaves. But yet, there were kids that had a great time throwing and playing, and adults too. By the way, you're caught on pictures, I've seen them. There's adults playing in them too. But as followers of Jesus, we're commanded to submit. We've seen people give their time, energy, and money to do nothing, to see nothing else. No one came to Connection last week and brought food and somebody said, here's ten bucks to cover your meal. See, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Now some of you are going, well, that's a good idea. No, it's not. No, it's not. Listen, they were being submissive. They said, what can I do? I had people call me. What can I bring? What's there, what's, what is something that, that maybe gets left off sometime? What, what can I do? Offering and offering and offering and offering and offering. These are people that are submitting to God. Now the the point is this. They've already gotten there. They know what it's like to do that. Otherwise they wouldn't do it anymore. But it's getting somebody to understand what submission is to get him influenced to follow and submit to God. That's the hard part. Because nobody likes, in this world, nobody likes being told what to do. Nobody, nobody, Nobody likes it. Listen, I taught in school. I go over to a school that's east of here and I come into PE class and I say, this is what we're doing today. You know what I heard? Yeah, sweet, no. Now I have students that are in this room right now. They didn't say, oh, yes, I can't wait to just work out until I sweat profusely and my makeup runs. They're like, oh, guess what? I said, this is what we're going to do. And you know what they did? Oh, they may have said a couple things. They're your kids, you understand. And they, and, they, and they went into the locker room and they changed their clothes and they came back out and they go, this is my favorite one. I'm really not going to like this, but let's just do it. Because they're being submission. You know, you know why they're that way? Because their parents taught them to be that way. Their parents taught them that I, I've had parent-teacher conferences and thought, oh man, you know, I'm P.E., Driver's Ed. We don't have a whole lot of parent-teacher conferences. Usually if you come to a parent-teacher conference and you can find the PE teacher in the snack room because he doesn't have anything else to do. Okay? But I have these parents that come in and they say, we really want to speak to you. And I'm like, I'm looking at their grades and I'm going, he or she has an A. Why are you here? You don't need to be here. It's often the people that, you, that don't come that you do need to talk to. We're all aware of that. So these people would come in. And I remember my very, one of my very first teacher conferences, parent-teacher conferences, this, this, this couple comes in and they go, we don't even, we don't need, to, even need to sit down. And I'm like, well, they may have more leverage yelling at me when they're standing up. I don't know what they're going to do here. And they said this, we already know what our, what our child has in this class. That doesn't bother us. They're making an A. They're doing good. Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? This is, this is what I want to talk about. 
Are they respectful in class? You see this? this is, because, and they told us, they said, we are raising our children, attempting to raise our children to be submissive people, to follow direction, so that they can influence society for the better. And they're very godly people. And they teach their kids how to follow God. It's the same thing. But we're commanded to submit. Commanded to submit. I know some of you, some of you know what the last part of chapter 3 is saying and we're getting to that submissive thing and you're thinking, when are we going to get there? I want to see what he's going to twist on this. Before we get there, I want to I ask you, I want to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you to pray with me, not, not because we just need to hear our self-talk. I want, to, I want to ask God, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to move inside your life, your heart, your mind, like He did with me this week, so we can take something from this. If you hear any of this wrong, you're going to push a mute button, and it's going to be all over, and you're going to, you're going to miss out on something awesome. So God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it's perfect. We, God, we ask You that You speak to us this morning through this. Let us understand and realize what You're trying to say. In Your name we pray. Amen. See, that was painless. It was. Look at Colossians 3.18 with me. It's my hope today that you find something in this that you may have never seen before. Some of you may not have ever seen this. And please do not think. You know what? Just, you just make your own opinion after you hear the, the whole sermon. Look at verse 18. It says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. I had a friend whenever I grew up. I've told some of you this story. He had one verse underlined in his entire Bible. As a 16-year-old man, he was completely incorrect. He had Colossians 3.18 underlined. This one. He goes, oh yeah! Why well, submit to your husband? It wasn't John 3.16. It wasn't, it wasn't Psalm 37.4. It wasn't Jeremiah 29.11. It was Colossians 3.18. And I said, dude, I think you have... You know, I wasn't a biblical scholar, still not, and I'm still not there. And I talked to him as a 17, 16 year old guy, and I go, I think that you may have this wrong. <laughs> it just maybe. He <laughs> said, "It says, wives submit." Paul is talking to 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 the females of this church. Says, "Submit to your husband as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord." Now, throughout chapter three and the first couple chapters, Paul is talking about something very special. He's talking about the new man. Putting on the new man. Become a follower of Jesus and acting differently. Some of us can very much attest to our old life and our new life before and after Jesus. He explains in here that their old self, they're spiritually dead. We watched that last week in our baptisms. They were spiritually dead. They were, they were, they were buried and resurrected back to life in the newness of life through Christ. But as I talk... <laughs> about wives submitting to your husbands, I have to talk to the guys here. Big time. I want to give you a warning. Man, husband, boyfriend, guy that's going to be future married, I don't care if you're 15 or 16 years old, listen. Your wife is called to be submissive to you by scriptural, by God authority. This is the role that God assigned to them. They're there to support you, but they are not less than you. This submission only comes when you are being the man that God has called you to be. See, see, my buddy had it all wrong. Oh yeah, wives, cook me dinner. I mean, he's an, he's an idiot. Okay, this, this guy is complete. He completely blasted this out of context. Wives, you are to submit to your husbands. Husbands, you have to be worthy to be submitted to. This is a team. This is not a this is not this is not one jersey and one jersey. This is a team. 
And Paul is, 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 is talking to these people. And we've, we've perverted this whole entire Scripture. We have, this world is just taking this and just hit it with a hammer and shattered it and we pick up the pieces that we want. And we, and we find the word submission and we just want to cling to that one. We yank it out of context. We proclaim that we're superior. That's wrong. When we put on the new man, we are to lead our families and our children spiritually. We are to lead them. We are to lead them. That's our job. Women, women, the man is to be the spiritual leader of the household. Being submissive does not have any negative context at all. See, we see submission, submission as a cuss word. Ah, it means I'm less than him. I'm not less than him. I'm not less than him. You're, no one's saying that you are. You're not. Okay, but listen. It's not negative. It does not mean that you're less. It does not mean that you're less important. And it most certainly does not mean that you are not capable. It means that God has ordained this in the context of a biblical marriage that the man is to be the spiritual leader. But I haven't talked to one successful, spiritual, godly man that will not immediately give credit to his wife for being his partner. See, that, that's the teammate. Behind every, behind every good man is a great woman. You've heard this. When you do not submit to your husband or your husband does not submit to you, it is not you failing as a husband or a wife. When neither one of you submit to the other one, you're falling short of Jesus. I know we don't like to hear that. Do this. I'm in charge. That is, if your husband is leading in a sinful way, you are to stand for Jesus. You're not, to call, you're not called to be submissive when he's living a life of sin. Okay? Very, very, very plain here. Guys, you have a job to do. You're the spiritual leaders. Now let me tell you, I, I studied this word too. I, I put this in. You have a job to do amongst many things. You are the spiritual leaders. I don't care if you can bench press a bulldozer. Your wife will find you spiritually strong when you're on your knees susceptible to the leadership of God. That is what God says, I, I want you to lead. I want you to lead by example. Charles Stanley often, often said, Andy, Andy I, I heard uh, talking at a conference in Tulsa last year. He, he was speaking and he said, you know, my dad did something very, very well. He said his, one of his goals was for us kids to find him praying. And he goes, contrary to popular belief, this was not my dad's nap time. He wasn't having his eyes closed. He was literally praying for us. And he goes, I found my dad praying all the time. He said, it's very easy to be submissive. He goes, yeah, we all have our days. But it's easy to be submissive when you find somebody that practices what they're supposed to be doing. Guys were to be the spiritual leaders. You are the warriors of the faith. You are the ones that carry the banner of Jesus Christ for your house. And I know of no married man that has been successful in ministry that would neglect talking about the woman in his life. I already told you about that. Look at verse 19. This is a really easy one. That's sarcasm. It shifts to husbands. Paul's saying if you're going to be a church that's connected to go, that's connected in your ministry, in your house, you think about that. Think about this just for a second. What if everybody was connected in their home? Like, like the Bible says as they should be. Then they go to a church that collectively is, is, is being submissive to God and seeing where that... Do you know how powerful that would be? 
Now, I'm not negating the fact that we have some people that do that. I'm just showing, look at this. He says in 19, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Hmm. Now, some of you go, well, I've never hit my wife. Okay. Never thought about hitting my, okay. Is your speech kind? Is it uplifting? Does your wife know, simply by the way that you talk and act, that you adore her. Girls that aren't married here. I tell this to my volleyball team. There's a couple in this room that would completely agree because they've heard me say this before. But I, I would often get off the bus at the volleyball team and I would go to the door and I would open, for, I open it for them. And I would pick out the ones that had boyfriends because I know them. Now, when, when you coach, they're, they're automatically your, your adopted kids. And I was holding, I'd hold the door open. I'd say, stop. I said, does your boyfriend do this? They'd say, no. I said, he needs to come talk to me. Go ahead. And, and I said, if your boyfriend is not doing this, they need to have, they need to have a, a talk with me. See, we're to treat women with respect. It says, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Guys, you're not the dictator of your house. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Being a dictator of your house only lives in negativity. We have obligations. First, we have to love our, our wives, period. God has given you a beautiful gift. I love this. The same, this same love translated in the Greek to this translation means agape. Guess what? It's the same love that God refers to Jesus as. That's how special she is. That's how special she is. I put in here, I put in here, no pressure. You're to love your wife the same as God loves His Son. You are to love her to no end. You're to support her. You're to pray for her. You're to encourage her. You're to even give her a shoulder massage when she needs one. I know, some, some, of, the, some of the wives now are going, see, I like coming to church this morning. <laughs> Getting a massage when I go home now. Easy. Easy. The, the word agape means a love without change. It's self-giving and not demanding. So we shouldn't demand... That massage. Oh, man. It's a love that loves, even when it's rejected. Agape love gives because it wants to and does not demand anything in return. Do not be bitter to your wife or the woman in your life. They are to love you when you seem to be unlovable and you're to do the same. This is hard. If you've been in a marriage for longer than about 30 seconds, you understand this. But you, you are literally called to love somebody that sometimes is unlovable. I, I do premarital counseling and I, I, I tell them it's, it's often very funny. If they have not lived together, I would say, listen, the very first day, first week, first six months, probably every day, you're going to learn something different about that person that lives in the house with you. You're going to find out if he or she snores. You're going to find out if he or she brushes her teeth on a regular basis. Now, they, they, they just think, oh, oh, oh. You're going to, I'm exactly right. You guys are married people. You're like, oh, I know. You're going to find out when they like to eat, when they like to take a nap, whatever they like to do. What toothpaste they like. They're going to find all kinds of different things about them. And yet my, my wife remains married to me. It's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. 
See, if both the husband and the wife follow these guidelines, you will see this. Look at your worship handout. I love this. I love this. I'm, I'm a very sports-oriented person. I used to coach, but watch this. If both people in a relationship do these things, what we just talked about in, in 18 and 19, they both understand they are part of a team. See, being submissive to each other in all reality doesn't make you less. At all. It makes you a part of a team. No one's better. No, one, no one's smarter. They work together in and through each other's weaknesses and strength. I can tell you of some Division I coaches, and I guarantee you they would agree with me. Rather than have two players out of the five in their starting five on basketball, they would take five guys that know how to work together over two superstars that are going to go first round of the NBA every single time. Why? Because if you get people that are submissive to one another, you have people that work together. They understand that you can accomplish more. Together, everyone achieves more. That's, what, that's team. You've seen that probably everywhere as an acrostic. But I don't want you to raise your hands, but answer to yourself. How many people want a relationship? Maybe you have one. Maybe you want or desire a relationship like that. This is what I hope. Right now, I'm in front of everyone. I mean, one of my daughters is in here. That's the type of relationship that I pray for my daughters to have. A man that she can, that she can serve well with. That they can see God's plan come into action in their life. That they can know the love that I know with my wife. I want to I raise them that way. I wanna, listen, no one's better, no one's smarter. You work together. You serve well. How do we, so how do, we, how do we do that? If you come in here, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of this. On the third week, my wife and I cleaned the sanctuary. Guess who's right beside us? With the little, with the little lint rollers and the Windex. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, oh, look at the Griswold kids. They're so good. No, listen. We're a family. We live in our house just like you do. And we have our days like you do. But I want to raise my daughters to understand. I want, to, I want to see youth be brought up in this church to understand that that is what we should seek. That's what we should seek. If you're somebody... See, whenever I came home from college and I stayed at my mom and dad's house, it was all of a sudden... Even though I was a of voting age, of military age, of my own adulthood age, whenever I stayed at my mom and dad's house, I was suddenly 15 again, and it was my dad's rules. Okay. If you're under the age of 18, and you're in this room right now, and you still live at home, or you still live at home and you're older than that, I want you to look at verse 20. You thought we were just going to talk about mom and dad. Check this out. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. I know what you're saying. Your parents say the same thing about their bosses. You don't know who I have to live with. You don't know what they expect. They expect me to clean my room. Are you kidding me? Listen, I think one of the, useless, the most useless things in the world is to make your bed. I'm 36. I'm like, man, you're just going to get in it again? It's in the room. You can shut the door to your bedroom. But if Mary asked me to make the bed, guess what? I'll make the bed. Uh, children. Oh, boy. Oh, always obey. Always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. There's a catch in here. 
and I put in here, some of the kids in here, some of the youth in here, some of the young adults in here, just inside their body went, mute, I don't want to listen to this. You know, I often, I often, I often practiced, practiced selective hearing at my house. Anybody have any children who practice selective hearing? Don't raise your hand, you'll embarrass them. But they do! <laughs> they do! Um, Matthew, I needed you to take out the trash. All I'm hearing is Mario. I did nothing. Will you take out the trash, please? All of a sudden, the power goes off on my Nintendo, and I suddenly get the urge to immediately take out the garbage. Jump up! Oh, sorry, Mom. We, we have selective here. When we want to do something, we're fine with it. But when we have to be submissive to do something to follow a rule, we have a problem with it. This is why it was so, it was so refreshing to have this, these comments with these parents at this parent-teacher conference. They said, are our kids, are our kids showing respect to you and the people in their class at school? Wow. In a world full of bullies, I had this conversation. I said, yeah, they're great. It says, children... Paul, speaking about you here, you're, you are called to honor your parents. And I put this in here just because. You're called to honor your parents even if there are consequences for your actions. It's how we learn. Maybe, maybe your parents, your grandparents, whoever you lived with, maybe they disciplined you by, by cor- correctively spanking you. Maybe they grounded you. Maybe they took something away. You're still here. You did not die. It's okay. God is saying through Paul here, He says, listen, for a church to operate... Why, why did He talk about children? Because people say, oh, they're the church of tomorrow. Nope, that's wrong. They're the church of right now. You and I are always going to get older, yet there's going to be children keep moving up, moving up. How do, what do we do with them? We train them to take our place. That's exactly what we do. We train them to take... We got some kids running around Kids Rock right now. In 15 years, might be leading music at our church plant. I don't know. But they're 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 being taught this. When we correct our kids, I'm talking about my kids. I correct, discipline, however you want to say. We often often I hear this. I hear my wife say this, and I will say this, and I'll say, Lydia or Emma, I love you. I love you very very much. But I love you too much to let you act this way or get away with this. I do. And, I, and, and they don't want to hear it. <laughs> if you love me, you'd just not punish me. No? No, see, this is the same thing. I want to teach them what God does. God, God says to me sometimes, He says, Man, I love you with all of my heart, and I sent my son to die for you. But I love you too much to leave you right there. You have to learn. And we don't like that. We don't like that because we're not into being submissive. See, this is a whole wicked circle. Paul's saying here that your children should want to honor their parents because they, they see. See, and, and, and there's some dads that are sitting there going, Oh, yeah, yeah, all right, talking about children. Oh, he goes back to dads. Look at verse 21. Look at this. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Um, this does, it's not talking about teasing and having fun. But do not aggravate your children. What's he saying here? Don't provoke them. 
Why? Because they'll become discouraged. And, and if you show them that, that, that dad example, it's going to be harder for them to look at God as a dad and want to do anything that He does because they were just discouraged by their, by, by their earthly dad. This is a whole, your whole family is impacted. Your children should honor you if you're living out the example of Jesus Christ to them. Do they find you praying? Do they find you saying something? Often I'll, I'll leave and if Lydia or Emma's in the, in the living room, they'll say, Dad, where are you going? <laughs> this is really funny because they're just around me all the time. And I say, I say well, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to go to a mentor me. And they go, hey, that's what I figured. <laughs> they just go back. To... <laughs> they know. They know that my wife and I give to do God's work. They know that. Now, this is not, oh, look, at Mary and Matt are just on this pedestal. No, we're not. No, we're not, but we're teaching our kids that it's okay and it's completely biblical to give ourselves for other people. Because that's what God did. If you saw Facebook, you saw me give acknowledgement to some of those pastors in my life. Listen, these guys gave when they didn't have to give. They sacrificed time, money, and food. Those are huge things. They bought me meals. They gave me money. They gave me gifts. They gave me Bibles. They, they showed me these different things. They taught me, and they taught me lessons that were very difficult to learn because they had to correct me. One of those men, I was very glad to say yesterday, one of those men that have taught me is my father. Another one is my grandfather, who's no longer here on earth. And I said in the very last part of that, I said, some of these guys gave and gave and gave and gave their whole entire life. And now what do they get from it? See, we, see, we, we, want, we want the success. What do we get? What do they get? What do they get? <laughs> How about this? You ready? They're walking on gold, serving a Savior forever and eternity without sin, glasses, or cancer. They're worshiping with the saints. And they probably got to walk in and hear this. Well done. See, that's it. And until we die, we, have, we, we are called to do that. Don't aggravate your kids. Lift them up. Pray for them. By the way, this is just a, just a little side note. If you do not pray with your kids at night, before they go to bed, you're missing out. You're missing out. I've learned so much about my prayer life from my daughters being 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 years old. They teach me the simplicity of a child's prayer. I have thanked God for finding Minnie Mouse in our house. I have. Thank you, God, for our shoes. Listen, look about this. When's the last time that you woke up and you, you said, Thank you, God, for my shoes? We take that for granted in adulthood. Unless you have a pair of shoes that, that is completely broken and you get a pair of new ones. Oh, these feel good. Thank you, God. But it's the last year that you've had those shoes, you didn't say a word. And these, these, these girls, they, they get down and, and, they, and they pray in their bed and they close their eyes. And I've heard Lydia say, God, thank You for my sheets on my bed. And if you want a wake-up call, she said this, thank You for the sheets on my bed because not everybody in this world has a bed. She's Five. You're missing out. Pray with your kids. I don't care. I don't care if your parents come or if your kids come home from college and they're 22. They spend the night at your house, go in their room. You'll surprise them. Say, can I pray with you? Uh, I guess. I doubt very seriously they'll ever turn you down. Don't aggravate your kids. We should lift them up. Your home should be a world full of encouragement and you should be a safe haven 
If, you're, if your kids find you seeking God, they will too. Why did you buy a Dodge truck? Because your dad did? I'm, I'm being completely honest here. Why do you have a Chevy truck? Because your dad did. Or your grandpa did. See, this is the same thing. We let something like a truck just go, bing, 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 just genetically DNA right down our line. Oh, yep, I'm a Ford guy. Cool, I don't care. I am price driven. The cheaper, the better. I've had a Dodge. I've had a GMC. Okay. But here's the deal. We often do things just nonchalantly because of what our dad did. How about this? How about this? Let your children find you honoring God and I guarantee you it will never leave their mind. It will never leave. I can remember times that I watched my mom and dad pray for me and my sister. I, I remember those times, those, those just intimate teaching times with my parents. I know they were not going through a great time in their life, yet they said, we will trust God. Guess what? That never, ever left me. I've doubted it, but it never left me. Don't aggravate them. We should support them. We're so quick to point out flaws. We are. We're so... I'm too... You left the drawer open again. The door is standing wide open. Your bike is in front of my truck again. And you know these things. And we often get discouraged and we're and we're so quick sometimes just we find it irritating. But don't we find it irritating when our bosses want to nitpick at us during the week? Look at verse 22. Slaves. Now I'm going to really upset you because he's talking about enslaved people here. But he says, "Obey your earthly masters in everything you do." Oh boy, you don't work for the guy. See, this is right now. You're you're going. You don't work for the guy that I work for. They are incredibly not okay. You know what they should do? They should walk in every day and they should find you doing the best absolute job that you could possibly do without complaining. Some of you in your mind are going, well, my boss wouldn't know who I am. <laughs> Listen, I try to please them all the time. Not please, I'm not pleased them. I'm not talking about bringing them cookies. This is what I, Do your job well. Because look, not just when they are watching you. See? Parent-teachers, parent-teacher conferences are something. But if you want to see a teacher really, really up the ante, observation by the principal. And there's like decorations in the room. The room smells better than normal. They pull out 17 ponies in a pony show and show everything they got. If you see your boss coming around the corner, and you're getting busy, and he leaves and you get really unbusy again. Listen, he says, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Now this is a huge deal. He's saying, do your job like you're supposed to do your job. End of story, period. Not just when they're watching, when they're not watching you. I heard, I heard a compliment on a person this week that works at, at Continental Tire from her husband. He said, her boss told me the other day when I went to pick her up at work that he was at a, a position that he could look and see if they were not working. And the boss told his, her husband that went to pick her up, he said, he said she gives 110% all day long. And he says, she's thankful for to have a job. He says, she's thankful to have a job in, in this world. 
See, employees have a God-ordained responsibility. See, we don't want that. We want to be the boss. I can make the decisions. I can make the money. To honor your boss and your company is something that should come first. We should work hard and earn money. You should earn your money. We are be submissive to our leadership. Why? Because we are representing Jesus Christ wherever we work. Wherever you work. Now, I ask this question. I'm talking to myself here. Do I always do that? Answer that question for yourself. The answer is no. Do you always do that? No. But we are called to put on this new man and to work hard. Why? Because our boss is a great person on earth? No. Some of you are in this one. Amen. No. He's not a good person. Listen. You don't serve Him. You're serving God. Paul himself says, you know, I don't do these things for man. I do them for God. It's Him I will answer to. I will not answer to any man. But a man, my boss, will see me working so diligently that he will have no understanding except the understanding that I am working for Jesus Christ. And it's hard. How about this? What would your boss say if you came in on a Monday, tomorrow? I know, you're like, how many people like Mondays? Negative five. Okay, good. So, what happens if you go in? Can I talk to you for a second? What are they going to think immediately? Oh boy, they've got a problem. And it's a Monday. This is what you ask him. This is what you tell him. I'm very thankful to work here. What? They might spill their coffee. They might faint. Okay? I'm very thankful to work here because if, I, if I'm working here, it means that I have a job and when I work, I get to earn money for me and my family. This is not the same as we normally do things. There are many people without jobs today and I just want to tell you thank you for mine. And walk out. You come back and check on them if they pass out. Okay? Because they might... Because nobody, nobody talks this way. Look at verse 23. We're willingly at what... Whoa. Ah, I'm okay with work when it's what you want to do, right? Look, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. We are to work hard with joy. Uh, I know what you're saying. I can work hard on my follow-through if I'm working on basketball. I could work hard on my follow-through, keep my, my head down on the baseball on a baseball swing. I can work really hard on a 65-foot lob wedge. Beautiful. I would work on that all day. I could work on my baitcaster sidearm flip under a limb. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's fishing. <laughs> you can work hard baseball swing, softball swing, whatever you want. But God says this, I want you to work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. I want you to do your job so nobody, so everybody that comes up and sees you know that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. We should work with joy. God's blessed us. Are you showing that? Look at 1 Corinthians 10.31 real quick. Some of you know this. Paul says this again. Look, Paul's words. Again, 1 Corinthians. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can you vacuum for Jesus? Absolutely. Can you tithe and give money to the church for Jesus? Yes. Can you clean a toilet for Jesus? Yes. If you want to know how to get plugged into these things, just talk to me. I'll let you know. 
You can Windex windows. You, I, I watched people. Look, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I had people that were, we were, they were playing up here on the stage. They went down. They sat in our comfortable seats like, oh, time for dunk party. I love dunk parties. And then I had the audacity to say, okay, if you can, I need you to sit up here. And People just came in, sit in their seats. They were comfortable. Now, this doesn't make any sense to the world. But God says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of Me. Look at, look at the next two verses in Colossians 3. It's 24 and 25. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Now the first thing we hear is this is going, Oh good, how much is this check for? <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, you have no comprehension at all of what your inheritance consists of. First of all, let's just put it this way. You do not have to spend a place in eternity known as hell that Jesus speaks more of than heaven. That should be more than enough. When the, when the book of Revelation talks about a worm that doesn't die, that, that the things just gr- hot, nasty, flames, sulfur, all, you don't have to be there. Is that enough? Yeah. Then he says this. He tells the disciples, he says, actually where I'm going to go, I'm getting ready to leave earth, and where I'm going, you can't go, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Jesus built your house. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Whoa. Your inheritance as a reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. In verse 25 he says this, but if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. Now, this is really hard. But I'm my mom and dad's favorite. You're probably elbowing your brothers and sisters right now saying, I am the favorite. Listen, God has no favorites. He says this, I want followers that follow me. That are submissive to me. I want parents, I want moms and dads to lead their kids. And I want moms and dads to lead like this. Put me first. Greatest thing my, my, wife, my wife has ever said to me on my wedding day. I gave her a great big kiss. We got married. We walked out of the church. We were, I think believe, before we got into the before we got into a horse drawn carriage and went around town. But on our way, somewhere around there, she looked at me and she said, "I love you second. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal because she she wants she she tell him, by telling me that she said, "I want to put God, God as a priority first. We both seek Him and then we work together." That's the way it works. Anybody here that's been married 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, 60, 70 years will tell you the exact same thing. If you get that priority out of whack, things go wrong quickly. Attitudes get blown up very, very fast. You say things that you don't mean. You say things and you have to go to them. I'm sorry I said that. You're not really sorry. Listen. If you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong. You have, to give an, you have to give an account for what you've done. You'll receive heaven as a reward. Look at this last worship handout. And I don't know what you do in life. I don't, I don't know everybody's job in here. I don't, know, I don't know what you've done, what you do, what you're currently doing. But I want you to look at this. Whatever role that you play in life. If you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you're a kid, if you're a single person doesn't matter. God's still God. But whatever role you play in life, we are to be submissive to our authority. Listen, this goes beyond anything political. It goes beyond anything else. If they're placed in, a, in, in, in authority above you, God says that you're to, you're to serve them. As long as they don't sin. And we're able to do 
what we do to the best of our ability. See, we don't we, we see submissiveness as as just this this we think it's somebody above us just being really arrogant, is what we think. We say, ah. <clears throat> Some people think they, they may walk in this morning and they said, My boss uses me as a footstool. Listen, this is not where God takes this. God does not use you as a footstool. God is saying, I want you to willingly obey what I have for you. In your marriage, at your job. Some of you, some of you might have a whole lunch full of talking about these verses. Please let it be a discussion. Nobody's more, nobody's less. My buddy had it completely wrong. Because in fact, God, with the men being the spiritual leader of the house, comes down like a hammer on the man. You must, have, you must be the leader of your children. You must be the leader of your wife. You, you, are, you are doubly responsible. Lead. Whatever role you have. Maybe whether you work, you go to school, whatever you have. Paul is telling us this, that a church that is connected to go, a church that will see God move in ways that we cannot understand, it doesn't happen unless we're willing to be submissive to authority. Where are we going to go? I have people that practice this with me and they don't even know that they're practicing it. They call me. I had a guy text me. He's over 70. He loves to text me. So I text him back. I say, hey man, what's up? He goes, I just need to know what you need. What? I said, well, I said, you don't have to worry about doing anything. Like, no, 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 I can. You tell me where you need it, when you need it. He was early. <laughs> I said, well, this is what we could use. This is what we could do and you could do this. Okay, fine. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to serve. And this guy is a spiritual mentor of mine. Okay? I, he, I, I look up to him. I'm taller than him, but I look up to him. And yet he's showing me, he said, listen... You have to serve well. And we have people that do this. Don't think it, don't go out of here going, well, Matt just getting on us because we don't serve well. If you were here last week, you saw the exact opposite of that. We have to remember, we cannot forget how to do this. Because if you remember, one of those people that came in, they said this, I was blown away that someone that goes to church here would give up their seat and sit on the floor so I could sit in a chair. Just think about the last time that you heard that in church. <laughs> they were willing to give up something that they were comfortable with so that they could be ministered to. I hope you have a great week. Enjoy this beautiful weather that we have outside. Okay, But put this into practice. Maybe some of you need to talk to your boss tomorrow. Hey, I'm thankful for my job. Wherever you can, just, just in passing. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much. What an opportunity it is to see see these 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 scriptures come alive, God. And whether we're a, a child, whether we're a husband, uh, whether we're a wife, God, whether we're single, whatever, God, let us focus on you. And realize that it's not a lessening a lessening of oneself, but it's just being obedient to what you want us to do. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this weather. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.